Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are continuing our salute to Los Angeles radio station KFI on the occasion of their 50th anniversary. Announcer Bill Goodwin, comedian Eddie Cantor, and Gracie Allen will join our in-person host, George Burns. And now, here's one of the greatest humorists of the past 30 years. This is George Burns, and we're celebrating KFI's 50th anniversary. And you know how I love to sing, so here goes. Happy 50th anniversary, KFI. Happy 50th anniversary, KFI. Happy anniversary to KF, and also to I. I also sing at parties, so you're having a party at your house. Can be 20 people, or 10, or 2, or even just you and your dog. Just called Crestview, 6-9000. I'll be right over with my music. Seriously, we've, we've all come a long way in this thing we call show business. And during our radio career, Gracie and I broadcast many of our programs on KFI. Hello. Are you there? Well, we're here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight ways better swan soap. Yes, sir, Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Swan, the new white floating soap that's eight ways better than old-style floating soaps, presents Paul Whiteman. Your Swanee announcer, Bill Goodwin. Our singer, Jimmy Cash. Well, I Swan, the stars of our show, George Burns and Gracie Allen. find George and Gracie at breakfast. George, how many lumps do you want in your coffee? Two. Thanks. Is there anything interesting in the paper today, or is it just news? Just news. Yeah. Say, you're lucky to have the paper. Mr. Lastvogel's dog is always chewing it up. I wish that Snoopy Nato would keep his dog away from here. Yesterday morning, he bit little off and Annie in the funny section. <laughs> Well, he, he better not bite Superman. How many lumps do you want in your coffee? Two. Thanks. Uh, George, did you take the little duck for a walk this morning? Gracie, last week that duck hunting trip cost me plenty. And I'd just as soon not have that web-footed headache around here. Aw, oh, he's so cute. He even comes when I call him. Here, ducky, ducky, ducky. Oh, get out of here. Get out of here. Aw, oh, now you frightened him. Frightened him. I'd like to fricassee him. Oh, no, no. Come here, little ducky. Oh, don't listen to that mean old daddy duck. Oh, don't worry, little ducky. He's not really your daddy. <laughs> well, that's a break for me, too. George, how many lumps? Two. Thanks. You know, little Henrietta understands every word we say. No, the duck's name is Henrietta? Yes. Yesterday, his name was Herman. I didn't buy those eggs you had for breakfast. <laughs> Thanks, Henrietta. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
Now, you see how smart she is, George. She can spell, too. Go on, Henrietta, spell cat. <laughs> there you are, C-A-T, period. Nice spelling. Okay, I'll take that silly duck out for a walk again. But you haven't had your coffee yet, George. How many lumps? Two. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, boy, this coffee is awful. Why, what's the trouble? Too cold. Come on, Henrietta, let's go. <laughs> Hello, Bill. Hello, George. Gracie is inside. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> oh, a duck with a harness on. Are you kidding? Come on, Henrietta, come on. <laughs> well, I still can't believe this. Gracie, look at him through the window. Doesn't he walk with the cutest waddle? Well, sure, that's why I married him. <laughs> You know, that's the most ridiculous sight I've ever seen. A grown man walking down the street with a duck on a leash. People must think he's crazy. He should get a swan. Why a swan? Shall I tell her? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bill, I'm certainly glad you got here. I'm in a terrible mess and I need help. Well, Gracie, what is it? I got a letter from a boy who used to be my sweetheart when I went to school, and I'm afraid to show it to George. You know how jealous he is. Oh, well, that's nothing. I'll fix it. Uh, hey, George. Yeah, Bill. Come in here, will you? Well, what like tie the duck to the fence? Now, don't worry, Gracie. Leave everything to me. All right. What is it, Bill? Say, George, you're a smart fella. Now, if, if Paul Whiteman's wife, say, got a letter from a boy who used to be her sweetheart when she went to school, uh, what do you think he ought to do about it? Why, nothing. That's kid stuff. Okay, Gracie, read the letter. What? <coughs> a letter? Uh, dear Gracie, I'll be in town today and we'll phone you before I drop in and see you. We haven't seen each other since our school days and it might be fun. Signed, Keith Fowler. P.S. Remember that rainy afternoon? Oh! Gracie, what happened that rainy afternoon? <laughs> it rained. <laughs> What happened after that? It cleared up. <laughs> Who is this fellow? Uh, Keith Fowler? Yeah, Keith Fowler, Oh, yeah. um, uh, my girlhood sweetheart. Oh, George, he was wonderful. I'll never forget the day I met him. Such old world charm, so devil-may-care, so smooth, handsome, yet intensely masculine. How old was he? Six and a half. <laughs> Six and a half? Yes, but he had the mind of a boy of seven. Well, what am I getting excited about? Sure, and you were worried about that rainy afternoon. When Keith was 19. <laughs> 19? Yes, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, was he an athlete. Oh, he was an athlete. Yeah, well, you know where you have that vaccination mark on your arm? Yeah. That's where he has muscles. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, what's wrong with my arm? Look at it. Oh, that reminds me. I better tell Hilda to make some spaghetti for dinner. Spaghetti? Oh, fine. Hilda! Uh, this has nothing to do with the, with the radio, but this might be an interesting story. The day Gracie and I started working together, she was the straight woman and I was, and I was the comedian. I wore a funny, a funny turned-up hat and baggy pants and a little short coat and a big, wide red tie. And naturally, I smoked a cigar. And on the stage, Gracie would ask all the questions, and I had all the funny answers. Well, the audience laughed at Gracie's questions, and nobody laughed at my answers. But I was not stupid, and I wanted to stay in show business. So the next performance, I threw away my funny clothes, 
I asked Gracie the questions, and Gracie had all the answers and got all the laughs. And that was the beginning of Burns and Allen. And it was a good thing I was smart enough to figure that out, or I might still be wearing those baggy pants. Then later on, Gracie and I auditioned for our first radio show on NBC. After we did the audition, one of the vice presidents turned to us. He said, people will get tired of listening to Gracie every week because her voice is too squeaky. Anyway, we finally got a radio show and we were on the air for over 19 years. The vice president lasted about two, about two months. I guess his voice wasn't squeaky enough. Our first radio job was on the Eddie Cantor show. He also had a squeaky voice. He stayed on radio, oh, about a thousand years. Why, it's Gracie Allen. Well, for goodness sake. Oh, uh, Gracie, what are you doing here? I didn't expect you. Well, neither did my mother, but here I am. <laughs> look, look, Gracie. Gracie, I like you, but I'm having trouble enough. Yeah, I know. I heard your program last week. <laughs> well, why you're going to let that awful Mrs. Flounder produce the picture for you is a mystery to me. Now, if you let me produce the picture, it'll be a mystery to everybody. I, 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 of... I, yeah, I, I know that, but Gracie... Well, you, you don't have to worry if I produce the picture. I've never ruined anybody's career, and all I want is a chance. Yeah, look, look, Gracie, Gracie. Gracie, when it comes to making pictures, you're a complete novice. Oh, please, I'm not that good. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie, and... Eddie, having trouble? George Burns, well... How long has Gracie been here? Oh, about three or four minutes, George. Have an aspirin. <laughs> Say, Eddie. Yeah? Who's this? Who is this? Yeah. He follows me home every night. Yeah. <laughs> Gracie, what are you talking about? That's George Burns. You've been together for 15 years. Oh, no wonder he gets so fresh, huh? <laughs> Eddie. Yeah? Give me back the aspirin. <laughs> no, no. No, you better take your headache home with you. Okay. Good night, Eddie. Good night, and I'll heckle you on your show next Monday. Well, come on, Gracie. Come on. Oh, wait. I haven't finished the story come yet. On, so the ink on, is now dry, and the hero's an old man. Ladies and gentlemen, the American Forces Radio and Television Service proudly presents the Retirement 2, yes, third. I'd retire in a minute, but my wife says a retirement means twice as much husband on half the income. Maybe, but I'm retiring at 60% of my base pay. The Department of Defense already has a great job lined up for me through a referral, and my new secretary is A-OK. -okay. Sounds like your wife is going to get half as much husband on twice as much income. How long does it take you to retire with 60% of your active base pay? Only 24 years. Gee, that retirement pay, plus your new job salary sounds great. No more running into debt. Oh, it isn't running into debt I mind so much. It's running into creditors I hate. Financial security, civilian health benefits, job training, and placement. Just a few of the benefits of retirement from the armed forces. Find out about all of them from your personnel officer. Yes, sir. In those early days, I couldn't afford any writers, so I wrote my own jokes. Well, I didn't exactly write them. I... Took them out of magazines like Whiz Bang and College Humor. Somebody would meet me and say, I, I heard your show last night, and all those jokes are right out of College Humor and Whiz Bang. I said, how do you like those magazines stealing my stuff? Some people have no class. Now, here's a routine that Gracie and I did more than 20 years ago. It's about Gracie's musical cousin, Mozart Allen. 
Gracie, since last week a lot of people have been writing in, they'd like to hear more about your cousin, Mozart Allen, the composer and conductor. Really? Yeah, I guess he's famous now. Oh, isn't that wonderful? You know, musicians have to wait until they're dead to be famous. And I'll bet cousin Mozart's glad he made it. Just the time, too. Uh, how did he get to be a conductor? Oh, simple. He was the only one in the orchestra who couldn't play an instrument. <laughs> Right. Well, it is. Oh, it is. You know, for years, his ambition was to lead the San Francisco Symphony. I see. And he never lost sight of that goal. No. And he always carried his baton with him everywhere he went. In case anybody asked him, he was always ready. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. And that's why he took a job with the park department. Doing what? Well, he put a nail on the end of the baton and picked up papers, papers. with it. <laughs> One musician that, that, that really cleaned up. Mm-hmm. And at last, the call came. Oh, the call did come, Yes, huh? and he was asked to conduct the San Francisco Symphony. Oh. But the only trouble was he couldn't afford a full-dress suit. Well, what did he do? Oh, well, he made a deal with a clothing store to sell him half the suit. Half the suit? Yes, uh, uh, the back half. The back half. Yes, and while he was conducting, that's all the audience could see. Well, what the Oh, they left it on the dummy in the window because that's all the people in the street could see. One suit for two dummies? Yes. You mean your cousin conducted this orchestra just with the back half of the suit? Oh, yes. And it would have been a great success if he hadn't been sneezing all through it. <laughs> well, naturally, he was standing in front of the woodwind section. Yeah. Well, that wasn't so bad. The real trouble came was when he turned around to the audience to take his bow. I imagine that must have caused quite a sensation. This kid really went all out. And you know, it was a wonderful sight to see Mozart up there waving his arms and interpreting the different moods of the music. Threw himself into it. Huh? Yes. When he was conducting an opera, he would practically live it. Now, you know, once, once he was, um, he was doing Samson and Delilah, Samson and Delilah he got yeah. so carried away, he cut his own hair. Cut his own hair? Yes, and he couldn't finish the opera with his hair cut off. He was too weak to lift the baton. Well, Gracie, any, any news from home? Well, I, I just got a letter from my uncle, Quinton Allen, the famous uh, prison warden. Prison warden? Well, how did he get a job like that? Well, he had to start at the bottom and work his way up. Oh, started as an ordinary guard. No, as an ordinary prisoner. How did he get to be a warden? Why not? He had the best qualifications. He served three terms. There's a warden with a lot of experience. Oh, yes. Uncle Quinton lives in the prison, and some of the convicts take care of him. They make very good servants, except for certain little things. Such as what? Well, now, the man who cooks for him is fine with everything except roast turkey. What? He can't can't handle that? No, No, no. because of his past. His past? Mm -hmm. He'd been a pickpocket, and after he roasts the turkey from force of habit, he can't help stealing the stuffings out of him. Out of the turkey? (laughs) Well, I'm fired a fellow like that. Oh, he did for a while, but then the next cook was even worse. What did he do? Well, he was a safe cracker, and he cooked everything over a blowtorch. Sounds like a nice little group of boys he's got there. Oh. Of course, he's very strict with visitors when they come. They have to be searched from head to foot. Oh, for weapons. For luggage. For luggage? So they won't sneak in and stay there. Oh, he must have a very popular place. <laughs> but he doesn't believe in coddling the prisoners. I'll bet he doesn't. If the man acts bad, Uncle Quinton throws him right into solitary. Well, solitary can be pretty rough. And with eight or nine other men in the same cell, it could even be worse. Eight or nine 
chime in together? If they deserve solitary, they get it. He plays no favorites. Here's an amusing story about radio. Gracie, Gracie and I were in the middle of a broadcast one night when all the lights in the studio went out. So naturally, we couldn't see the script. So we went right into our vaudeville act. I said to Gracie, how is your brother? And she kept talking until the lights went on. Speaking of Gracie's brother, here's a routine we did. I think it was in 1943. Hello, Dad. Oh, George, George, I have the most exciting news. Guess what? My brother Willie's in the Army. Your uh, brother Willie? Yes. Well, if everybody buckles down to their jobs, I think we can win the war anyway. (laughs) Oh, George Burns, how could you talk that way? My brother Willie will be a wonderful soldier. I'll bet he is in the Army two weeks before they make him at least an ensign. Or maybe even a Commodore. Uh-huh. He, he had to give up that big new job he just got. But I guess the Army needs him even more. Uh, what big new job? Oh, it was a very important position. They asked him to clean out some bottlenecks in one of the biggest plants out here. Really? Uh, which, uh, which plant? Seven Up. Seven Up. <laughs> and, uh, now he's in the Army. Well, practically. He takes his physical today. And then he'll be off to some remote corner of the earth, Alaska or China, the Bluebeard Islands, or the, uh, Burma. The uh, what islands? The Bluebeard Islands, the, Burma. The, the Bluebeard Islands? Yes. Uh, you don't mean the Solomon Islands. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's the place. <laughs> uh, I knew it had a bunch of wives. It's <laughs> a wonder you didn't call them the Tommy Manville Islands. Well, anyway... Willie is going to phone me later and tell me where they're sending him. Meanwhile, I've been out shopping all day. Buying things for Willie to take away with him. Uh-huh. Right? Stuff the army doesn't buy for their soldiers for some silly reason. You know, like a waffle iron or a smoky stand. Uh, that's the kind of stuff you bought him? Oh, sure. I bought him a bridge table and a rolling machine and an electric fan. Stuff that'll come in handy. Oh, I handy say stuff, will. Yeah. Especially the electric fan. Mm. Suppose they send him to some hot place like Africa. Can you see that poor boy out there in that steaming jungle suffering from the heat? And then he turns on my electric fan? Where does he plug it in? Uh, then I bought him a billiard cue. And a, a billiard cue? Well, that's nice, especially when they put him in a tank. Uh, anything else? Uh-huh, a yo-yo, just in case they send him to Egypt. A yo-yo? I, uh, I don't get it. Oh, George. You know how lazy my brother Willie is? Yeah, but I still don't get it. Well, he always wanted a yo-yo, but he's too lazy to make it go up and down. Well? Well, in Egypt, they ride on camels, so Willie just holds the yo-yo on the camel. Camel goes up and down. I mean, it certainly was silly of me not to figure that out myself. Uh, yes, yes. Certainly was, dear. Yeah. Can you figure out why I got him a parachute? Just in case they put him in the air car. Oh, that's wonderful, George. You're very good. Well, thanks, thanks. What did you have to pay for this parachute? Not a cent. The man at Bender's Bargain Basement gave it to me. He gave it to you? Yes, and it's a very lovely parachute. When it opens, a big sign on it says, Prices are coming down even faster than this at Bender's Basement. (laughs) Well, uh, the boys will certainly envy him. What, What if your brother get sent right into the front line. Oh, I thought of that. That's why I got him a Swiss yodeler's costume. A Swiss yodeler's costume? Certainly. If he gets into the front line, he'll be very anxious to appear neutral. (laughs) Very, very smart present. 
Yes, sure. And then I bought him a big knife and a hatchet, just in case they sent him to the Solomons or New Guinea or some of those islands. Well, that's the first sensible present you got. A knife and a hatchet will be uh, very handy if you have to cut your way through jungles. Oh, that's not why I got them. No? No. A lot of bananas and nuts grow on those islands. Yes. Well, that's right, but what's that got to do with a knife and hatchet? Willie likes banana splits with chopped nuts. <laughs> Well, uh, it's really a very confusing war, you know. Oh, uh, excuse me, dear. Hello? Oh, hello, Willie. Is that so? Oh, congratulations. Now I'll have to get you a different kind of a present. Yes. Oh, goodbye, Willie. Oh, Gracie, where are they sending him? Siberia? India? Panama? George, what kind of climate have they got in 4F? Oh. This is George Burns again, and all my best wishes to KFI on your 50th anniversary. And remember what I said before how I love to sing? Well, that still goes. If you're planning a little party, just call up Crestview 69000, and I'll, I'll be right over and do a few numbers. In fact, I'll bring my own piano player. I might even bring my own piano. Thank you, and remember, it's Crestview 69000. wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio and George Burns' salute to KFI. In the coming weeks, we will continue with excerpts from this special program, which was broadcast on April 16, 1972. Our guest stars will include Edgar Bergen, along with Charlie McCarthy, Jimmy Durante, Jim Jordan, better known as Fibber McGee, Amos and Andy, Vince Scully with Sports Highlights, Rudy Valley, and Bing Crosby. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from Radio's Golden Days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.